Welcome to Think Queerly. My name is Darren Steele. I'm a gay man who's been living most of his life as an out queer person. On the podcast, I discuss the unique social and cultural leadership that queer people offer humanity. Through dialogue, as well as personal meditation, I share evolving ideas about how we can create a more loving and accepting world for everyone. As a coach, I help my clients understand a universal truth, that when you freely love who you are, you can freely create the life you want. We all have within us the knowledge and the wisdom to overcome personal struggles and inequality as queer people, but sometimes we need a little help from someone else. And when you accept yourself without conditions, that's when you can risk leading from your uniqueness and live your truth. It is Wednesday, April 29th, 2020, and I am mentioning the date because this is still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and still lockdown, stay-at-home measures for many people across the world. And we're basically still in this state of lockdown until the end of May in Ontario, in Toronto, where I live. And it occurred to me, uh, a question or rather a thought exercise prompt came to mind, which is this. If ever there were a time to tell the truth, it would be now. You see, lockdown is is a pivotal moment to choose to be free. In this time of frustration, maybe desperation for individuals, of annoyance, of not sure what's going to happen next, what the next month, what the next six months, what the next one to two or even five years are going to be like with this virus. Instead of seeing yourself as stuck, instead of feeling like you have absolutely no control, what is a truth that if you were to discern it, reveal it, expose it, would tell you more about who you are, what you need, what you want, who you want to be, what you want to become. Now during the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdown, there really isn't a better time. Many of us have a little bit too much time on our hands right now and are fiddling, wondering what to do. And that not having distractions or connection with friends can be really unnerving. So if there were ever a time to tell the truth, well, the easiest way to do this thought exercise would be to think really large. And for example, so we could think of this shutdown as as such a condition for protecting the lives of others. And we could look at society and I've done that and other people are doing that and the news is doing that. And we're saying, well, Let's see how the layers of the onion are being peeled back to reveal challenges with capitalism or the economy or human behavior. Maybe you've been reading the news or you have friends that are doctors or nurses and you're suddenly realizing, well, healthcare 
is so important right now. And these people are so underpaid, especially the frontline workers. And maybe they've been not so well considered or undervalued up until until now. And have you noticed the homeless people or people with mental issues, mental health issues, walking around even more so because they're so much more easy to see, so to speak, when you're outside because there's so few people out and about. Are you just taking that in visually and getting a sense of how this is a manifest issue in society and who we care for and who we privilege and who we disown? Have you read or witnessed the utterly selfish actions and seemingly from seemingly intelligent people and businesses? Well, that's one way of looking at this framing. But what if you thought of this thought exercise about telling the truth as a moment of personal transformation for getting out of you perhaps what scares you the most during what can be felt as a very existential moment in human history? You could Make the choice right now to see yourself for who you truly are during this disruptive and unique and existential moment in time when you ask, if ever there were a time to tell the truth, what do I need to say? Who do I need to say it to? And why have I avoided speaking this truth for so long? I'll ask it again so you can ponder this question while you're listening. And if you want, hit the pause button, get out a pen and a piece of paper or your journal, and just write until you're done. If ever there were a time to tell the truth, what do I need to say? Who do I need to say it to? And why have I avoided speaking this truth for so long? Now, By absolute necessity, we are being kept apart from one another by two meters, six feet, in order to save lives, in order not to make other people sick and stress the healthcare system. And if we're being responsible citizens, we're staying at home, we're away from friends, family, lovers, the people that we see week in and week out, and we know them by sight, maybe we know them by name and maybe not, but we just see them. Well, now we're not. And the only people we're actually seeing when we go out of the house are those we don't know or hardly know, and we only see them behind a barrier of plexiglass or that imposed barrier of so-called social, but what should be called physical, distancing. We're seeing the grocery store clerk, the bank teller, the independent shopkeeper, the building cleaning staff, and all of these individuals that do have to keep going to work, who keep showing up, and are what are we, what we are calling our frontline workers, frontline because they are also, besides healthcare workers and paramedics and so on, the most vulnerable, the most exposed to what's happening with this pandemic. Now, the current majority of social connection, 
for anyone who's working from home or who's been laid off and therefore staying at home is, is virtual right now, right? If, you've, if you're living with someone, wonderful. You've got that connection. And I hope it's equitable and that you can be compassionate towards each other and respect and give each other space, no matter how much space you have when needed. But this lack of human contact, this privilege, this freedom of human physical contact, a kiss on the side of the face, a hug, a shake of hands, a touch on the shoulder, is having profound emotional consequences that we may or may not realize. Some of us can handle this better than others. Some of us have our bad days. Some of us are really suffering from this lack of contact. Now, if we add into the mix of this experience the conscious awareness that we should act as if we are asymptomatic and therefore infected with a novel coronavirus, then my thought exercise, this question takes on a whole new level of urgency. If ever there were a time to tell the truth, what do I need to say and to whom? Like imagine if you were infected with the virus and what would happen? Have you made plans for that? It's an existential question right now. If ever there were a time to tell the truth, what do I need to say and to whom? Some people might automatically know this answer. They've done this kind of work before and it's not challenging, but other people might hear this thought exercise and it might make them uncomfortable. They might get angry or feel depressed as they start thinking more deeply about this answer. And fears and hesitation and discomfort might start showing up. Old memories might might come to the front. And there's so many good and valid reasons why we hold back and protect our deepest truths from larger groups of people or even people very close to us. And when we go ahead and choose to reveal our deepest secret or our fears or truth, it requires a massive act of courage. And with that is the willingness to be vulnerable and take, taking personal responsibility for the words that you speak, for the way in which you communicate your truth. Now, to make this story more concrete, to make this exercise more concrete, my experience as a coach, I am often working on myself as part of my personal and professional growth, which are really one and the same thing. And Right now, as an example, I'm studying neuroscience and coaching. And part of the reason for this question is is, is based on what I'm learning in this area about how we understand our behaviors and our subconscious programming that we don't even think about. I tend to lead in this way. I teach what I most need to learn. And I take the risk of teaching while I'm learning 
so that I can develop new and stronger neuroassociations at the same time, which is basically you associate what you know with what you're learning, which helps you really deeply reinforce that new material to remember it or to embrace and better utilize and put into practice new behaviors, new actions, and so on. So my revelation and, or my answer to complete this thought exercise is how often I feel like an imposter, so-called imposter syndrome. That might not seem like a big deal, but let me go into it a bit more. Now, I've been speaking for quite a while, since probably August of 2019, about what I'm calling the way of queer leadership. And I've mentioned that I intend to turn this into a book or that I'm working on this as a book. I've published six, seven, eight articles on my uh, medium publication, Think Queerly. I've spoken about it at length on quite a number of podcasts. And I even published a free book of aphorisms called Think Queerly Meditations and Critical Reflections on Liberating Humanity, which is 70-80% based in the material I've written around the idea of queer leadership. So in this time of the lockdown, I've been doing work at home, but I've also started to look at what are my distractions and what do I want to focus on and where do I want to go planning the next year, the next three and five years and what, what do I need to do to feel the most fulfilled? And the thing, honestly, that scares me the most is this book and is this idea. So I've been reviewing my notes so that I can take the next step so I can actually sit my ass down and start writing and start really putting the thoughts into a progressive and logical fashion. And I started to think about the format and the style that I need to employ so that I can fully share and communicate my ideas as a philosophy. A philosophy. Hmm. Now, while this book is built upon, and the ideas of queer leadership are built upon Taoism, I haven't seen or read any other authors that are making the same connections that I'm witnessing between queerness and Taoism. I'm seeing some beautiful connections in many other writers about leadership and Taoism and those principles, and that's what allows me to bring these three things together, queerness, leadership, and Taoism. And perhaps because of these influences and what I'm seeing is the necessary aesthetic that the work needs to take and what I envision as the kind of creative approach that I need in my writing to reflect the layers of contemplative meaning that will make up the way of queer leadership, almost like the way of the Tao, that's when I begin to doubt myself. That's when I begin to feel like I don't have the ability or the training. And I just begin to imagine people reading my work, my book, and I start anticipating and become fearful of the criticism, the condemnation, the judgment, the accusations that I don't have this training or that I don't have that certification. And then how dare you? How can you write philosophy if you haven't had any training in philosophy? And I look at what that means and where that truth 
comes from my gay shame. And I spoke about this in the very last podcast. And it's a deep-seated fear of being seen for who I really am. I've seen this in my past where maybe I need to... uh, a certain level of success, success happens for me and I, I'm, I'm more public and that I realize I've always been that. I've been writing and podcasting and when you put your ideas out there, people are bound to criticize and more people freely criticize than praise. And this fear has been a nemesis and a limiting belief in my life and it rears its head when a trigger comes up known or unknown, and the more visible I am. Like I said, when I'm writing and publishing and releasing more podcasts and taking risks and sharing my ideas. Now, thankfully, I've been aware of this pattern of behavior and I've been aware of what gay shame is and what that means for many years to understand it enough for what it is and thus to be able to manage it, to be able to understand that these are trained behaviors that show up as primal reaction in the older mammalian part of the brain. They're all about comfort and belonging, and they're based on negative narratives that were formed over many years during my childhood and adolescent development. So when you think that many years had a very profound impact and a profound level of programming in my behaviors, what shuts me down, what makes me afraid. And then that just leads to me realizing that this imposter syndrome is important because this personal truth, I hope, (laughs) helps me to remain humble, to really check myself in my work to not try and say something if I don't truly believe it, understand it. And this is my journey. This is my way, my path in how I learn, continue to learn and continue to overcome various challenges and roadblocks. And I've written it out in this way. Here's my truth. I can only be who I am, not what others expect of me. When I come from my deepest place of courage, from the heart of who I am, my creative, my creative uniqueness, my wisdom, and my difference, then I am not an imposter. I am a fully realized human being as worthy and equal as any other. I feel compelled to share my ideas, and to demonstrate being the change I want to see in the world, whatever the reception. And if there were ever a time to tell the truth, that's mine. It reminds me of the last two lines from the Tao Te Ching, verse 36. Let your workings remain a mystery. Just show people the results. Let your workings remain a mystery. Just show people the results. That speaks to me very much as a coach. 
working one-on-one with a client, we get into the workings. It's a very private and intimate experience with asking questions and helping the client to see what they maybe already know, but they're just distracted by so many other things and working almost like an architect and an engineer to help them design and to plan out what they want, where they want to go, who they want to be more fully, and then to engineer that aspect with them, not to tell them, not to teach them, not to give them the template, but to encourage them to find things that make the most sense to them so that when they really have that experience of their own truth and can attach the emotions that make them feel most positive and compelled to explore that, that's transformation. That's where the truth shows up to potentiate the transformation, which is simply a process of taking enough repeated action towards that behavior, that goal that you want to accomplish in life, that you get this result. And then we just repeat that process again and again and again. So I will ask you for your own contemplation. One more time. If ever there were a time to tell the truth, what do I need to say and to whom? If ever there were time to tell the truth, what do I need to say and to whom?